Welcome to Southern Sense Talk Radio with your host, the radio chick, Annie Ubellis. Join Annie on Tuesdays and Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time with an open chat room full of her regulars. And yes, you can even call in. Call 917-889-3675. That's 917-889-3675 to be a part of the action on the phone line. Not able to listen live? Not a problem. You can always catch Annie, the radio chick, and Southern Sense Talk Radio podcast in archives at southern-sense.com. So sit back, relax, and enjoy Southern Sense the right way. Listen, guys, I got something special just for my listeners. If you follow me, you know I usually don't hawk products. I stick to the issues important to you and me. But I think I can't keep this to myself. You may want to check this out and get in on the ground floor before everyone else jumps on the bandwagon. Now, this is just for you, my listeners. I joined up with Team Earth Water. Earth Water is a company that is faith-based and patriotic. Earth Water is an amazing water. It will soon be the rage of the nation and is going worldwide. It has over 70 antioxidants and minerals. It's good. Trust me. I already sleep better. I dropped one of my prescriptions, and I'm possibly looking to maybe drop another one soon. So ask yourself, do you want to make a few extra bucks on the side while getting healthier? Who doesn't? If so, check out the Earth Water link on my homepage at Southern Sense. That's the name of the show. Put a dash in the middle. Southern-Sense.com. All right, and we're here. You're here broadcasting live on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, The Lone Star, Daily News, up in iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, YouTube, Facebook, all the heck with it. Go to the name of the show, put a hyphen in the middle, southern-sense.com. Of course, I'm your hostess with the most distorted chick, Annie, along with my debonair, clever, and colorful co-host, Curtis C.S. <laughs> Bennett. Good afternoon, Curtis. How are you today? Well, you know, it's, it's good to be back. I uh, wasn't here Friday. We're getting, you know, ready for the um, early election. So I'm doing a little training here for deputy, which I've, I've been doing for a couple of years now. So, you know, you got to do this every time, you know, we vote. But I'm excited. I'm, I'm ready for this, this big blue wave that's supposed to come at us. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they keep on promising it, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, and, uh, we got ourselves an exciting show. We've got uh, a Professor Carol Swain returning to the show. She's a frequent guest. Love having Carol on all the time. She is a voice of conservative reason. Uh, so she'll be joining us the first half of the show. On the second half, we've got a newcomer to the show, Sheriff Richard Mack. Uh, you know him uh, because he's with the um, – what the heck do they call it now? Uh, it's – I'll get this correctly. Uh, the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association. He also ran for Congress out of the state of Arizona. He'll be joining us, and that'll be an absolute blast to have him on there. Uh, we've got so much to talk about with him. Uh, so we got a rock and roll show here today. want to welcome those that are showing up in the chat room here on Blog Talk Radio. We're also up on 
YouTube and Facebook. I'll try as best I can to follow those chats there, but I do not have my head on a swivel. So, <laughs> Annie, is it, isn't 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 Carol Swain the one that ran for um, what was it, mayor of um, Nashville? I was just curious. You know, you're going to have to ask her. You're, you're yeah. actually asking my grace to actually work. <laughs> so, <laughs> you're going to have to ask her when she gets on the show. Anyway, um, everyone that watches the show or listens in knows we start one uh, each and every show with a dedication to a fallen hero. And I asked Sheriff Mack if there was someone that he wanted us to dedicate the show to. And he gave me an individual that was an outstanding individual. Uh, so today's show is being dedicated to former Bighorn uh, County, Wyoming Sheriff Dave Mattis. He was the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Offer Association Lifetime Achievement Awardee in 2012. He's known as the original Constitutional Sheriff. He passed away on August 17th of 2017. And this is from criminalgovernment.com. And this is dated August 7th to 13th of 1997 to give you an idea of who Sheriff Mattis was. Sheriff Dave Mattis of Bighorn County, Wyoming, said this week that as a result of case number 96-CV099-J, U.S. District Court, District of Wyoming, he has now a written policy that forbids federal officials from entering his county and exercising authority over county residents unless he is notified first of their intentions. After explaining their mission, Matten says, he grants them permission to proceed if he is convinced they are operating within the legal parameters and authority limitations set forth in the U.S. Constitution. The sheriff grants permission on a case basis only. When asked what, if any, repercussions he had gotten from the feds, he quickly and confidently replied, none whatsoever. He explained by saying, they know what they do not have jurisdiction in my county unless I grant it to them. Mattis clarified his position by saying the federal court had ruled then state of Wyoming is a sovereign state, and the state constitution plainly states that a county sheriff is the top law enforcement official in the county. Additionally, Sheriff Mattis contends that the U.S. Constitution, Article 1, Section 8, clearly defines the geographic territories where the federal government has jurisdiction. Amendment X, he said, states that the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution nor prohibited by it to the states are reserved to the states respectively or to the people. Therefore, Mattis thoroughly believes the feds have very limited powers in any state unless the local high sheriff allows them to exercise power beyond that which, is, which the Constitution provides. Put another way, Mattis said, if the sheriff doesn't want the feds in his county, he has the constitutional power and right to keep them out or ask them to leave. And this is from the CSPOA. And this is written by our guest, Sheriff Mack. The CSPOA and all our members are saddened to announce that former Bighorn County Wyoming Sheriff Dave Mattis passed away after a lengthy illness. Dave Mattis was the real deal, 
and was indeed the first true constitutional sheriff in America. There were a lot and a lot of good sheriffs in the U.S., but Mattis stood heads above all of them way before there ever was a moment to do so. He was sheriff from 1995 to 2007, and during that time he stood against the overreach and despotism of the IRS. Even more, he resolved a lawsuit in his county lost by the feds by developing and enforcing a policy that required all federal bureaucrats to check with his office before conducting any business in his county. Sheriff Mattis took a great deal of heat for his courageous stand, yet he remained undaunted as he protected and defended his citizens. Sheriff Mattis kept his word, kept his oath of office, and kept his integrity. In 2002, he received the Lifetime Achievement Award by the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association. He epitomized what all sheriffs should be. We all mourn the loss of this grand, great man, and explanatory sheriff. May we honor him by emulating his tremendous legacy of standing for truth and American ideals. Our most sincere condolences go out to his family. Sheriff Mattis was laid to rest on August 26th of 2017. And finally, from his obituary, David Michael Mattis went home to meet his savior on August 17th, 2017, surrounded by his family at Spirit Mountain Hospice House in Cody, Wyoming, after a year-long struggle with interstitial pulmonary fibrosis. He was born in Adrian, Michigan, to Merlin and Harriet Nelson Mattis on November 4th of 1943. He grew up in Walpers Lake and loved fishing and running his little boat around the lake. He graduated from Brooklyn High in May of 1961, on May 19th of 1961, he and his high school sweetheart, Kay Dunkel, were married. To this union, three children were born, David Scott, Daniel, and Tamara. David began his career working at the grocery store at Wampers Lake at the age of 14. It was here that he learned his worth ethic. He grew up in a family of carpenters, so when he and Kay were married, he began his partnership in construction business with his dad. While working with him, he worked with a brick mason who taught him the art of that trade. They built near a new home at Walpers Lake, and as the kids grew, he confessed he had always dreamed of living out west and being law enforcement. December of 1973, they found the whole family traveling through the west looking for property. They found the perfect 80-acre ranch south of Manderson, and bought it. He began his new career as a brick mason after arriving in their new home in December of 73. To say that Dave was an artist with brick and stone would not be bragging. He bricked houses and built rock fireplaces all over the county, especially up the Shell Valley. He kept busy with his job and with the 70 acres of hay, along with helping the kids with all their 4-H projects. He and Kay started the first 4-H horse club in Manderson, the Hill and Gully Riders. His work was always satisfying to him, but in 1980, he was given the opportunity to fulfill the other part of his dream when he was offered a job as a deputy sheriff for Bighorn County. He went to right to work, from deputy to undersheriff, then sheriff. He always maintained the mantra that he was a peace officer, not a cop, and in the mid-80s, Dave became interested in the canine program. He convinced the commissioners how valuable a dog would be to the county 
then went off to Great Falls, Montana for three months to train Kyler, who turned out to be an amazing canine. In 94, he ran for sheriff and served in that capacity until 2006. He turned the canine program over to other deputies when he was sworn in as sheriff, which gave him the time to pursue something else he was passionate about, the United States Constitution. His oath of office was sacred to him, and he staunchly defended the people of Bighorn County. In 2011, he was honored in Las Vegas, Nevada, with his distinction of being the first constitutional sheriff in the nation. Sheriff Richard Mack presented the award on behalf of the CSPOA. In 2000, he was able to dedicate the new Bighorn County Jail and Dispatch Center, which he helped design and got to lay the first brick on. He was also a member of the Western States Sheriff's Association, as well as known in the West for his stance he took to protect and uphold his oath. His last week was spent in Cody Hospice Care with Kay, his three kids and spouses, and some of the grandchildren by his side at all times. He survived by his wife of 56 years, Kay, his son Scott, son Daniel, and daughter Tamara. Twelve grandchildren, Josh, Derek, Caleb, Alex, Jessica, Aubrey, Colton, Lacey, Spencer, Rhett, Joanna, and Garrett, and by 16 great-grandchildren. He will be greatly missed, but we are comforted in the knowledge that he is fishing to his heart's content and will be the best darn sheriff that heaven has ever had. Today's show is dedicated to Sheriff Mattis. It is also dedicated to all the brave men and women that serve as first responders, be they law enforcement, firefighters, or emergency services. We also dedicate this show to all the brave men and women that serve in the military from the birth of this nation through today and into its future. To them, we dedicate this song, Amazing Grace. May God bless each and every one of them.
right, and we're back. You're here listening to Southern Sense here on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, the Lone Star Daily News, up on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, YouTube, Facebook, all the heck with it. Go to the name of the show, put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com. I'm your hostess with the most is the radio chick, Annie, along with my debonair intellectual and colorful co-host, Curtis C.S. Bennett. Curtis, as we wait for... Uh, Professor Swain to call in. Um, I noticed that in the chat room we were discussing <laughs> Kavanaugh of all things and Lindsey Graham growing a spine. And uh, before Lindsey Graham did his stance on the Senate floor, um, I had sent an email over to him. I also sent one to Tim Scott too, because both of them mm-hmm. are my senators. And I outlined why I felt the Kavanaugh should go through. And um, and I, I was really rather forceful. And I used your line. About uh, and I quite I did credit you for the line about throwing the pitch before you know throwing swinging the bat before throwing the pitch, and right. uh, I used that line in the letter. And today his thank you letter came in the mail, and I had to crack up because I'm normally persona <laughs> non grata in Lindsey Graham's office. And uh, we got someone raising their hand over in the studio uh, switchboard. So let's bring along. Uh, I do believe this is Cool Mike. Good afternoon, Mike. How are you? Oh, doing good. See, Curtis, you got Annie in her whining years. I had her in the heyday. Annie, didn't you wear a shirt, uh, a Graham shirt, and you went right to one of his fundraisers or his events and sat in the front row and said, like, Graham, you're on drugs or something? I saw a picture. Yes, you did. I saw a picture of you. It was censure. It was censure Lindsey Graham. That's I had Lindsey Graham's face on it with a big uh, red circle and line through it. You know, just like beware, do not stop, whatever. Oh, it was censure okay. Lindsey Graham. <laughs> yeah, it was a yellow T-shirt, censure Lindsey Graham. Yeah. And yeah, I was at the fundraiser there, and I I did I did approach him. I did talk to him about three certain issues that were going on. I believe that was back in 2012, and one of them was giving the 40. Five day uh, extension to those in the military serving outside of the United States, serving overseas, to allow them time to vote. Uh, and this was going into a primary, and this was for that seat that now uh, Mark Sanford has, the congressional seat. And he said no, because the runoff was two weeks after the original primary. We had the primary, and then there was to be a runoff. And he says no, they get to choose, you know, from whoever's left on the ballot. But what if that person doesn't make it all the way up to that two-week runoff ballot? Oh, well, so what, basically, was his response. I got him to change his mind on two items, but not on allowing the military a full 45 days between the primary in a federal election to the runoff for that same primary federally elected seat. He would not do that. And he is a man who is of the military, claims he stands staunchly behind the military, but would not give them their right to vote. At least he stood up this time. I mean, God knows this is this has been such a show by the Democrats. At least Lindsey Graham, of all people, let him have it. I mean, this yeah, is you're nonsense. Right. We know that's, what this that's is. That's even me. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Mike. Uh, I was going to say, Kurt. I'm telling you, I when someone told me about it, I was thinking like, okay, they just mistaken Graham for someone. I didn't believe it because I didn't see it live. <laughs> and it didn't, seriously, because I've known, well, Annie's gone after her for years, and when I was the host, I mean, it, <laughs> he wanted no part of this show. But the point is, is that 
We know what this is, and this is horrible. This is absolutely sickening that of all people, where's Ted Cruz? Where's Rand Paul? We're the Liberties people. It is actually Gramnesty that stood up and defended Kavanaugh fiercely. I mean, thank God somebody did. Yeah, you have to be honest. I have always said, give credit where credit is due. You know, and I will criticize him and I'll go after him, you know, whole hog, if I feel he's wrong. <clears throat> but if he's if he's right, I'm also going to defend him. And in this case, he was 100% right. And if you notice, right after that, Mitch McConnell grew a pair, too. Uh, Mitch announced a little while ago it's going to a vote. He said by Friday. It's their voting by Friday. That's what he said. That was a quote. And so see, he's going to the floor. He said he's got 51 votes. Excuse me. He said he's got 51 votes without Pence. That's what he said. See, these guys ahead, are showing now what we were lacking all these years, and that's passion. And I think we True. like that. You know. Well, McConnell should have been doing this. He's got everything to lose. He's the majority speaker. He's got a speakership at stake. I mean, where is the leadership of the GOP? It is just, it's, it's, it's so sickening to imagine that this many have infiltrated the party. We know there's always a handful or so, but to see this many, it really is sickening. You know, I, I was trying to remember who I was uh, listening to, but Jeff Flake, you know, of course, he's he's lost his seat, so he's not coming back to Congress, if he has a career ever again in politics, but calling him out as he was, you know, Snowflake. And it, it was on a I'm pretty sure it was up on Fox News. I'm trying to remember who it was. It was uh, Tucker Carlson or Sean Hannity. But uh, they're going after Jeff Flake left and right. Um, And they're going after several of the other rhinos. You've got now uh, former President Bush Jr. uh, making personal phone calls to all those that are sitting on the fence, telling them, get behind this guy. And, you know, Lindsey Graham, of all things, said, hey, listen, if you lose on Kavanaugh, take it to the people. Make it an issue of the people. But I, I'm wondering, because I'm wondering where in the Constitution it allows the president to do that, though. That's a good question, isn't it? That's a great question. Uh, I think so. Problem is, the problem is, President uh, Trump could have picked Hillary Clinton. They would have went after her. This is all about Trump. That's all it is. It has nothing to do with Snowflake or uh, Judge Kavanaugh. Uh, But what kind of political party do we have to where you are guilty by accusation without any evidence? Um, They didn't even prepare this lie correctly. Um, I mean, obviously, she says there are four character witnesses. They deny being there. They deny seeing anything. Um, this this has just been a absolute witch hunt, which it is. And uh, I don't know if any of you saw um, yesterday, we have reached a major trade agreement on NAFTA. I mean, it is it is oh, really absolutely. President Trump is doing a great job. First question after 45 minutes of just talking about this trade, and of course Justin Trudeau was going to fight Trump. Blah blah blah. Justin Trudeau was on his knees all weekend getting his knees dirty, bowing to Trump. But anyway, first question is uh, something on Kavanaugh. 
I thought, oh my god. <laughs> It's like, this is just nonsense. Gee, Mike, what, what, why don't you just hold, don't hold back, Mike. Just don't hold back. <laughs> well, it is. If you remember, Trump got on a plane after a trip to Canada, and Trudeau was calling him basically an a-hole, and that he's, you know, going to fight Trump. But Justin Trudeau practically begged, begged Trump, because well, Trump Mike, even acknowledged he was Mike, not going to negotiate. All right, Mike, I'm gonna I'm gonna have you uh, with us for a little bit because uh, we've got looks like we have our guest in on the line as soon as Curtis brings her on. Uh, but you you notice how he controlled the the, the uh, conversation with the reporters and even hurled insa- insults at them as he was answering their questions. So he, he told them flat out, "You are not my friends." <laughs> we thought this was going to be different once I was elected, but you are not my friends. He told them flat out to their face. And that first woman, I believe she's with CNN that had the red dress on, that asked right after he stopped, he talked about the trade, says, I'll take questions about the trade. Her first question was about Kavanaugh. But when she stood up, she goes, oh, she wasn't even prepared. Uh, she stood up and said, um, oh, I wasn't thinking. <laughs> he shot back, oh, you normally don't. <laughs> So, <laughs> that was a great line, <laughs> and that was beautiful. I, well, it looks like yeah. Carol, Professor Swain, is not our first caller, so we're going to bring you in early ahead of time. Thanks, Lisa. No, 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 that's uh, okay. I, I can do it. I can do it whenever you want. Uh, in fact, I'm kind of busy because we got a big rain here, and uh, we're having to babysit the kids for lunch, and I'm kind of tied up right now. So, I'll still be available in All 40 right. minutes when you want, whenever you want to do it. Forty minutes is fine. We're we're just having a free for all here while we're waiting for Professor Swain, Carol Swain, to call in. So have fun with okay. the grandbabies. Uh, well, all it's right, not. Guys. It's a it's high school kids. Yeah. Oh. oh right. Okay. <laughs> so you're gonna call you're you gonna call me back, right? No, no. You call in. Call in to us. To okay. The same, number. same the same number. I'll call you in. And uh, exactly how long? Uh, thirty-five you're minutes. Okay, I'll do it. Thank you. Okay. Folks, this is live radio. You never know what's going to happen. <laughs> did you like the line, Annie, where he said, uh, he said, you're with CNN. He goes, have they had time to spin this uh, to spin this uh, yet? He goes, oh, no, I don't think so. It's only been two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just, but, but it's true. Within an hour, basically, they were saying uh, Trump Trump uh, basically has formed another TPP, which, of course, we know very well it wasn't uh, anything to do with that. But, of course, this is how they work at CNN. And he, I loved his line where he said, when, someday when I'm not president, he said the New York Slimes, and he called them MSLSD. <laughs> he said, you guys are going to be out of business. I just thought that was a great line. He said, I'm keeping you in business. <laughs> I just wanted to um, to add to what you were saying earlier, Annie, about holding back. Um, when it comes to Lindsey Graham, I think you're going to see more more of the the new Lindsey Graham that we saw the other day, because I believe that um, when John McCain was alive, John McCain had you know or held some kind of influence over him to a degree, and was always wanting him to. Um, compromise with the other side but now that McCain is gone you know I I don't think there's something to hold Lindsay back anymore so we'll see 
Well, I don't, I don't know if that's... Trump. Well, excuse me, Annie. Trump is running for re-election. Lindsay's up. So you're going to have Annie Ubellis and all her group all over South Carolina going against him if he doesn't straighten out. I mean, the Tea Party is a... It's a powerful... Within this country, the Tea Party is very strong. That it is, and it's rising again. Um, I'm just, I'm sorry, I have to send this uh, to Sheriff Mack's uh, agent because she just sent me um, an email to let him know that uh, he's a little busy at the moment. Okay. But point, point being okay. is that I, I agree with you, Curtis, but I, I think that Lindsey Graham, knowing um, unless something drastic happens, Trump is really, uh, I mean, Trump, Trump Scott is going in the right direction. He could potentially lose in a primary if he does not. But I think you're right. I think with McCain, he had a comfort zone, and now it's gone. Yeah. Well, uh, and not only that, knowing- um, Lindsey may be wanting a position in the administration in 2020. That, that I would put him up for, yes, definitely. He may even be uh, angling for a seat on the Supreme Court, too. Think about it. You know, he is a lawyer. He was a judge advocate in the military. He's got the, the, the gravitas for it. Uh, he may be aiming for something like that, which is why he's trying to seem more conservative <laughs> than he actually is. But you got to remember, hey, that would be interesting he's in my to see him go up against his old, his old people doing a he, confirmation. <laughs> he's He's been my senator the entire time I've been living here in South Carolina. I remember that. So I do know him. Yeah. I know his attitude because when – the Tea Parties all first formed. Uh, Joe Dugan, uh, Jerry McDaniels, and a couple of other people that are part of the South Carolina Tea Party Coalition sat down with him in his office to explain their their beliefs on certain conservative positions. And Lindsey Graham basically said, I don't care what you think. I'm going to do what I want to do. He told them that to their face. So I'm going to trust Lindsey Graham just about as far as I can honestly throw them, and that's not very, very far. Um, <laughs> so I, I will applaud him when I feel he's right on an issue, as he is with Kavanaugh, but I still will hold his feet to the fire because of his attitude and the way he treats his constituents and on the stance of other issues. So don't forget he was part of the immigration, <laughs> the, the gang of eight that were oh, coming yeah. up with this huge rhino plan. Don't forget that he went to Egypt with McCain and told them that you must allow take the Muslim Brotherhood out of jail and allow them to be part of your government. He told Al Sisi that. And then he sat down in our house, the White House, with Obama and McCain and broke bread with the Muslim Brotherhood in the White House. So oh, yeah. don't trust him. When he's right, well, I don't like Kavanaugh. Fine, but do not trust him, and I don't think it was McCain's full influence. I think that's who he is. Well, who knows? But at least he spoke up. At least this, you know, it's kind of one of those things like I do in this in my neighborhood. It's very, very. It's Grand Rapids is seventy percent uh, progressive slash communist. But when an wow. issue comes up where we agree, I work with them. Um, and you know, we obviously we we're able to force our superintendent out or quote unquote. At the age of 59, she's into early retirement. Uh, but point being is that th- this whole charade of Judge Kavanaugh, Rush played a clip earlier where they interviewed Diane Feinstein, and she says, we can't move too fast on this. There's still some other issues we need to go over. 
says women's rights and gun control. So, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I thought all of that was reviewed. This isn't. This was about his uh, supposedly him, you know, fighting in a bar or whatever it was. But uh, I mean, it just goes to show you the only thing they want to do is cause problems for Trump. But they're going to fail because if Mitch said they have 51 votes, that means pretty much that the West Virginia senator is on board and the guy from Montana is on board. So because Markowski. It's not either snowflake. <laughs> the way what I an see asshole it. that snowflake is. Jeez, what a jerk. Yeah, if Kavanaugh does get um, confirmed to the Supreme Court, I think he's going to be like another Clarence Thomas because he's going to remember what they put him through. And I think he's going to shoot him down constitutionally whenever he can. You know, I think they just made another... Um, probably moderate, more conservative. That, it, it's, that is very true, because look at what they just did to his daughter. Um, the Illinois Times uh, had a cartoon in it with his daughter, his 10-year-old daughter, kneeling at the side of the bed, um, praying to forgive, and it was about her father. His drunken, sexually uh, predatory, blah, 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 and she's saying a prayer, you know, calling out her father all these nasty things that the press has been calling him, that the Me Too movement has been calling. It was a despicable, it was a horrible cartoon. And I am not going to put up a link to it. So if anyone is going to ask me for it, I am not going to give that that uh, periodical any publicity other than the fact that they, they were disgusting. And people wrote in, called into the uh, uh, person that wrote drew the cartoon. And he just doubled down. He doubled down on it. His post was finally pulled, but uh, he doubled down. This is a child, a 10-year-old child. How dare you drag her into this? The problem is is oftentimes we hear, we're all, all of us like politics, we talk politics. And oftentimes you hear people say, how is it they don't understand this? Or what is it they don't get? They get everything. But they're pushing a political ideology. So nothing. It's the Bolshevik movement. Nothing. Nothing gets in the way of the movement. It doesn't matter. It's no different than I made a comment that really upset them. They don't love their kids like we love our kids. They're proud of their kids when they see them grow up to become more left and radical than they are. That's the passion and love they have for this cause. There's no constitution. There's no ethics. There's no morals. It's the cause, period. And that's it. It, Their cause is to destroy the United States of America and make us just like the rest of Europe. That is their cause. Listen, guys, I got something special just for my list. Oh, something something just hit. What the heck was that? It was the water commercial. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know where did that just come from. <laughs> Holy cow! Oh, I got a ghost over here. I mean, I had my hands in my cup of water. I wasn't even touching the board. <laughs> yeah. So, what do you, you guys uh, do? You guys think he'll be confirmed? Oh yeah. I I am hope I'm hoping so. I really am uh, because it's going to break open how the process is done, and the Senate is going to have to revamp how it is the, the nomination processes. 
explicitly to advise and consent not to totally destroy. I mean, I thought what they did to Bork was bad. I thought what they did to Clarence Thomas was bad. But this is the lowest of low I have ever seen in my entire lifetime. I don't think they could get any lower than that. But then again, I didn't think anyone could be a worse president than Jimmy Carter. So um, there's always a new oh, low level to get to. <laughs> so, you know, and the things that are coming out about Dr. Ford also, uh, the lies she told about her house, Gateway Pundit has broken this story about she said she had the double doors that they installed in 2012. Well, it's possible that that renovation may go far back as 2008, so she lied about when her house was renovated. Uh, she lied about a lot of other things. She kept from the public, again, uh, this was brought out by InfoWars, and I think Gateway Pundit has always also done this, about her yearbook, what was posted in the yearbook about her, and she posted about the sex parties, the, the, the drugs and the alcohol used <clears throat> parties, one party after another. And then also she comes up with this one story about being assaulted by him. Um, she was no innocent child, according to her posting. You know, you look at what, how this whole thing has come about, and it is it's just one amazing impossibility after another. Diane Feinstein had this information about Kavanaugh 20 days before Trump nominated him. 20 days. That's almost three full weeks before Trump went public with who his nominee was. She knew about this, so they had this at the ready to fire at him. And then she waited until the 11th hour after all the confirmation hearings had ended to finally bring this forward. Yeah, It, just, it stinks to high heaven. Well, it certainly just, does. Just look at the way they're treating treating people on their side that are accused, like this Ellison guy, you know. They just exonerated him with um, um, an investigation that the Democrats put together, and they exonerated this guy, you know. I, who, I tell who, you, who is this guy, Curtis? What's this guy? Ellison. Name? Ellison. Oh, Ellison. yeah, yeah, Ellison, yeah. Keith Ellison, yeah. yeah. He's been accused of... Um, well, first of all, I think he's the first um, congressman or whatever that um, put his hand. He, he swore on the um, Koran when he was sworn into office. He's a Muslim. And um, we, we know their attitudes with women. And um, he's been accused of um, domestic violence and whatnot. And these, these, these imbeciles on the left are giving him a pass, just like they did when... Um, with Bubba, now with Bubba, it was, hey, that's that's personal, that's family business. We we shouldn't get involved in that. But let it be somebody on the Republican side, and you know they can't get enough. Well, he threw some ice at the guy. Now that's a crime. <laughs> oh man, it, 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 like I said, how low can it go? And I don't know how the Democrats can do an investigation when this is a criminal matter. How are the Democrats investigating Keith Ellison? It's a criminal matter. And she has come forward. She said, yes, we have the video. We have the text messages. They have the evidence. Her son found the evidence on her computer. So this should be criminally investigated. And if anything calls for an FBI investigation, maybe this might, 
because it's a possibility that this violence crossed state lines where it may not have occurred solely in uh, Maryland. It may have crossed over into his state. So if anything should be calling for an FBI investigation, should be Keith Ellison. Interesting. I didn't know that. And she's being... She's being put down. She is a solid Democrat. She is a sworn liberal, and her own people are tearing her apart, you know, trying to make her look like this really fruitcake person. And she sounds like one of the most clear-headed people that I've, from what I've seen in the postings and everything else. And her son is the one that exposed everything. It has to be, something has to be done. And her son is also a Democrat and a liberal, and they're tearing the, those two apart. You know, what the Democrats do, if they got someone they can use as a scapegoat to further the cause, they're going to use it. And it doesn't matter what happens to that individual. It's all at any cost. There's, there's no now, human didn't, uh, Annie, didn't somebody say, one of the Democratic leadership, say to the senators who will be voting on Kavanaugh, you need to take one for the team, um, meaning it may cost them their seat but need, they need to vote against Kavanaugh, which we know number one priority for these people is get reelected. It's not to their party. <laughs> Some of these states that went for Trump big are still big behind Trump. Um, yeah. Well, and, and as Sasquatch points out in the chat room, that yeah, yeah Bubba's accusers were all fellow <clears throat> Democrats. You know what they did to Paula Jones, Kathleen Wiley. You know, all fellow Democrats. Well, I need a broader <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, these were all Democrats, and they tore these women apart. Uh, Monica Lewinsky, all solid Democrats, and it doesn't matter. It's and she had evidence. T- <laughs> yeah. You it's know? the cause. It's the cause, guys. That's it. The ideology and, and the cause of the human is cost. more important. Yes, it doesn't matter. Even if in the end... There's 10 people standing in the United States left alive. As long as those 10 agree are part of the cause, and that is why, that, that is why, I mean, this is, this is what they're doing. And they're in every state trying to pass certain proposals and, I mean, I mean and uh, referendums. This is how they do it. And they're very good at what they do. We have to, we, we're good, but we tend to be so busy. We need to really focus on uh, making sure that their uh, their candidates not just lose, but lose big, and their proposals do too. Because I'll tell you, this thing with Kavanaugh, this was all a big joke. None of it was real, and it wasted, for, for the United States, it wasted two whole weeks of nonsense. That's all this was. And how many in tax dollars, Mike? That's my question. How much did it cost us in tax dollars? Don't get me started on the tax dollars, dollars there. And I think, no, no. go ahead. Um, yeah, Mike. I was just, I was just going to tell you, is that the the uh, splitting California proposal, um, from what everyone says, is really going to go down into big defeat, which is a good, which is a good thing. At least, at least, even the liberals realize we we do that. We're really kind of committing suicide, uh, <laughs> because what they would do is, it's the the middle of the state and the southern part of the state would go solo. They fund everything. That's very, very true. <laughs> I mean, yeah. but uh, my, my my point my point being is that 
this is what we're up against. They're showing their true colors. And it's clearly, obviously, some Republicans. This is so deep as far as the deep state. I don't think any of us really knew it was this, this corrupt. No, I, I honestly don't think so. You know, and here you have uh, Cory Booker. He writes an editorial bragging about he sex- how he sexually assaulted this girl. It's fine. She didn't charge, press any charges or anything, but he writes it publicly, and he brags about it publicly, and no one censures him. No one says, oh, you're a sexual predator, Cory Booker. So what are you doing on this nominating committee? You don't belong here. You're canned. Get out of here. But no, no, he sits on that judicial committee after that is made public. And with his his, his partner in crime, Camelia Harris. Uh, oh, God. It, it, it's, it's absolutely amazing when you watch this whole thing. And I think the American public is thoroughly disgusted, absolutely disgusted. In my local paper yesterday, there was a half-page ad, a full half-page ad signed by all these people calling for the removal of Kavanaugh. Would you believe this? In my local paper. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. uh, There was a group of people... Yeah, a whole half. Of, there was a group of people, and I'll tell you, I, I believe this strong coming in November. There was a group of African Americans protesting outside of Sheila Jackson Lee's office. They had Trump signs, and I'll tell you, I think the Hispanics and the African American movement is strong. I mean, they're—I don't want to say waking up because it's a new generation of people who are just different. They think differently. You have. Uh, you know, they just understand, um, I don't want to say they understand what's taking place, but they see the benefits of Trump and less regulation and less so-called forcing you into the domestic uh, plantation, so to speak, where they're forcing you, you know, if you want to be under government control, this is what you got to abide by, where they're not like that. And it was wonderful to see. People actually protesting outside there to basically say, don't categorize us as part of your group. And we need to see more and more of that because the unemployment among just this country in general, we like to say Hispanic or African, just in general, our our country is booming. And I think uh, U.S. Steel said they're going to build another plant or maybe it's the coal, but whoever they're building another plant. They got a huge contract with Poland. I mean, that is just amazing what's taking place. Well, not only that, God bless the polls. You know, um, what they're they're doing is they turned around to President Trump just this past week and said, listen, we want you to have a base here in Poland. And just to give you an incentive to have a base here in Poland to help protect us and our NATO allies, we're going to name it Fort Trump. How do you (laughs) like that? That was great. Did you uh, did you guys see the video on how they handled the Antifa rally? Oh, that's a good one. You got to Google that. <laughs> you see all these kids with masks running, and right around the corner, are all these cops with bats <laughs> chasing Antifa, and uh, they're all running, scattering everywhere. <laughs> that's how you handle them. And there's some guy from way up top yelling and screaming like, uh, "Oh, big bullies with baseball bats! The police!" Blah blah. It's so funny. I mean. 
to watch these guys run. That's how you handle that, that, those Antifa people. Uh, <laughs> you got to Google it. It's, you'll watch that video a hundred times. <laughs> oh, man, it's funny. Yeah, I I was going to say that um, you're right. The younger people, they don't, I don't know, they don't have the history of the civil rights movement, and they're not all caught up in this black versus white, you know, mentality. But I would say well, that just listening to some of the people um, where I live at who are black and they are above the age of 45, they still have that mentality where they want to see the first black this, the first black that, you know, regardless of what the person stands for, you know, as long as he's, you know, the right skin color, that's, that's all they need to know. And that's sad. I mean, right now we have this um, Andrew Gilliam that's a socialist. Now, these folks don't even know that this guy's a socialist, and I, I, I really don't think they would care if I told them that. But they just like him because he's young, he's handsome. All the women are saying he's just a, you know, a doll, a gorgeous doll, you know, whatever. And and that's all they seem to be looking at, and it's real shadow, you know. Um, I, I, I still see him as a threat to Ron DeSantis because Ron DeSantis doesn't, doesn't have that kind of personality that this Gilliam is showing. So I, I see where... This guy's going to have a struggle. Um, DeSantis, who's Republican, that's running for governor of Florida, versus this this young, you know, fresh-looking, young-looking, and you know, handsome black, you know, politician. Well, you know, you also have a generation of voters coming up out of Cuba in Florida that don't know anything about communism or socialism. You know, they're now several generations out of Cuba and they don't have their parents or grandparents' experiences to lean on to say why that's a good point, socialism Danny. and communism Danny, that's a is good point. Yeah, that's a great point, Danny. That's, I never even thought of that. That is very true. They used to have your parents to be able to grab you and say, look, that's what we escaped from. But now it's glitter and glare. It looks cool. It's part of the in crowd. You're right. I never even thought of that. It, it, it's a whole different thing because my stepson, uh, stepson is Cuban American, and he lives in Florida. And when uh, Sanders, Bernie Sanders, was running, he was talking, "Oh, how great this guy Bernie Sanders sounds." And I had to sit him down and I said, "You know." Are you aware that Bernie Sanders on his honeymoon ha- had it in Moscow because he's a devout communist? And he's like, oh, but he is only first generation American. His mother is the one that left you know, Cuba. He was born here. So he had no idea. But once you sit them down, sometimes it does. Something does resonate once in a while. But that's what we have to do. We've got to get the message out. Why is communism bad? Because it sounds good on paper, but once you try to put it into actual work, you know, there is no perfect Eden here on earth. There can never be. We will always end up with the the dirtiest common denominator rising to the top as we see in this deep state in the Kavanaugh hearing. And this is why we have to constantly be on alert. My, my partial rant for today. Well, you know, they say that um, 
they say that, you know, those who believe in socialism and communism, when you tell them that it's, it's failed in every place they tried it, they'll say, they'll come back at you with, well, they didn't do it right, you know, but we're going to do it right, you know. And that's the mentality, and that's why I think that ideology continues to um, stand out with, you know, a certain group of people. Yeah, they, they seem or, to think that no matter what, you can everyone can have an equal distribution. But we're human beings. We always want to strive for something more. So they tried it, in, the pilgrims tried it when they came over on the Mayflower and found out it doesn't work. You cannot do it. If, if the farmer works hard on his property for whatever he grows and you force him to share it with someone who's not willing to work, do you think that farmer's going to appreciate that person unwilling to work? No, it's going to be resentment. And then you're going to have what they call class warfare. Lo and behold, how dare, how dare that idle person take away what I strived hard for? And they don't understand that concept, that concept of pure capitalism. It's the only system no, that has worked. It's got its flaws. Any system has a flaw. But we have to well, work. You know, you know why they, ahead, they believe that? You know why they believe that collectivism is superior to to capitalism and, and individuality, and that's because they've been taught by these left-wing and progressive teachers. And, and I will continue to say we need to reclaim our educational system. You know, um, these, these kids are coming out of school hating the United States, hating capitalism, hating the fact that we are exceptional. You know, when you feel that bad about your country, you're not willing to defend it. If anything, you're gonna you're gonna be out there putting it down like everybody else. So we've got. Well, we have that. We, we, we must, have that we already. You've got hold. kids coming. <laughs> well, you've got kids coming out. We've had this for now, not just under the Obama administrations, but underneath the Bushes also and Carter, but where the they feel entitled. That, hey, I'm, you owe me. I didn't ask to be born, so therefore you owe me. I'm entitled to it just by my right of being here. So they come out of high school and you have to give me a job. Or I, I, I want to go into this college, so you must accept me into this college. And oh, by the way, you've got to pay my tuition and my housing and my food and my clothing and my health care and my free Obama phone. It's this sense of entitlement rather than the, the the emotion of actual achieving something on your own. The difference is in the mentality, the difference in the psychology is, is so polar, opposite. I mean, when people achieve a goal, when you work and strive and you reach that goal, there is an emotional high, an endo. I can't even say the words, but there's, you have an emotional high. You, you feel proud of what you do, and you feel possessive of what you do. But if you are handed everything, you're going to treat it, you know, like, hey, I deserved it anyway. So what? So what if it breaks? You're going to give me another one. If you ever notice people that live in free housing, the condition of free housing, it's not because of the landlord. It's because of the person living there for free feels entitled. And trust me, I've had tenants do that to me because my mother had a separate property here that we rented out. 
and they were on Section 8 housing, and they were getting food stamps, and they were getting their, their college tuition paid for for free because they were on Social Security disability or whatever. They were given handed everything, and the condition they left that property in was unbelievable. And then we tried it with another tenant under Section 8 housing, and the same thing happened. Because they were given it for free, they had no sell worth sense. They had no sense of pride. So the more you give people stuff free, the more they're not going to care about what you give them, and they're going to accept it. Until you get to the point where you have pure communism and you become a slave of the state because there's nothing left to give away for free. I said I wasn't going to rant too many times, but... Yeah, and I want to make a correction. There is one place that a certain form of socialism works, and that's in the military. And that's because the military is about collectivism. We we have to be as one. We have to fight as one. You, you know, you're told when you can have liberty, when you can't, where you go, and things like that, even to the point of, of what you're going to wear and how you're going to cut your hair. That's the only place, and usually, <clears throat> excuse me, um, a liberal will use that as a, a reason why we why it will work in you know society, and and I, I don't agree with that. You know, they'll say, well, look at the military; they have socialized medicine. You know, everybody's treated. You know, it's paid for. You know, but the military nope. is different. It has a different purpose. Yes, yeah. you, you can't call the military collectivism. You cannot, because first off, it's something that it's voluntary to begin with, you know, whereas communism and socialism is not voluntary. It's mandatory. So you enter in there knowing that this is what your life will be like for the next couple of years, but you're striving towards a goal. There is a purpose to it. There is an achievement to it. So when you go into the military, you know, you go in on the bottom level, you go through your basic training, and then as you work up through the ranks, in the same way as in capitalism, you're achieving certain goals, certain ranks, certain prize at the end of the road, something that you can call yours, something that is yours. And that training and that knowledge you gain, that, that's one of the goals you have. But also attaining that rank and the higher pay raise that comes along with it, you don't have that in collectivism. Everyone's pay is the same. Everyone's rank is the same. There are no goals to achieve. And you work as a single unit together, yes, to achieve whatever goal it is you set out to do. And that is the protection of your country and your fellow countrymen. There is a purpose to it. Wherein in communism, there is no purpose. What is the end result? Just to suppress the populace and those at the very top gain all the benefits. It's My definition of collectivism as far as it pertains to the military has to do pretty much with the mission. In other words, we work together for the mission and whatever it takes, you know, to get that mission accomplished. You know, yeah, you're going to have your individual um, um, promotions and things like that to pay great, but it's nobody's in there that's going to say, you know, well, I don't want to do this mission. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to embark upon another mission. You see, we all are given our orders. And we work together to, to fulfill that that order, you know, that mission, and to make it happen. And that's that's the that's the frame I was using collectivism in as far as the military. 
you work as a collective body, yes, but there is, yep. as I said, you know, there, you strive for a goal. And what is your goal in communism? There is none. That's the whole thing. There is no goal. Therefore, there must be someone at top to direct you. There must be someone who gains from what you are doing. So if you have everyone out there in the rice field, you know, picking rice, uh, you have no choice. It's what you're told. But it's it's the military and communism really are opposite. I mean, in the military, well, you also the- have the ability to... Go ahead, Mike. And we got a caller coming in, too. I, I, well, I was just going to say real quick, from what I've seen, most of the people who are the, you know, the cool socialism crowd, they're just lazy. Most of them are white, and they're from, you know, middle class or above families, and they're just outright lazy. They went to college. They got in debt. It's not their fault. They don't want to work. It's that simple. Um, go ahead, Amy. All right. Now, uh, I do believe this may be our guest, uh, Curtis, uh, let's see if it is. And we've got. Come on, computer. There Hello. We go. Good, good afternoon. Is this Dr. Swain? Yes, it is. How are you? Oh, wow. <laughs> how, how are you doing? You know, we were having our little private rants here <laughs> talking about the youth today. Boy, if anyone knows about the youth today, it's you and education and the, the problems in it. And that was one of our rants today how the kids today, uh, they're growing up where. They feel an entitlement that we owe them. They didn't ask to get born, so therefore we owe them. Well, I would have to agree, but, you know, as we criticize them, we need to point a finger back at ourselves because we raised those little monsters. (laughs) Bless your heart. I love it. (laughs) You know, we, we... It is true because we've got these kids today, and we had a guest on the show uh, this past Friday, 14-year-old kid, and oh my goodness, what a joy he was. Uh, And he was saying the very same thing about his friends. He says they've got their heads uh, in their smart devices. They do not know how to interact socially with each other. And everything has to be handed to them. They can't think independently. But this kid was an amazing kid because he put together a uh, foundation called uh, Do Work That Matters. And he gives back to the community. And he recognizes police and firefighters and all those people that do work that truly matters. He's exceptional because his parents took the time to make sure he was raised right. And we've got parents today abrogating their responsibilities to a public school system. That just isn't doing the job. Right. And it's easy for us to um, do see with the heads and the devices who are rude and you speak to them. They have no social skills. I'm encouraged every day because I run into young people. uh, And for me, young is anything that's under 30. But um, uh, I run into all those exceptions. And so there are some parents that are raising great young men and women who will be our leaders and they are looking at their own peers as well as the older generation, and they're making decisions uh, to not be like either group. And so I have a lot of optimism for young people, despite what we see in the news or what we see around us. Well, Dr. Swing, this is my, my probably my screw-up, because I've got you and Sheriff Mack on with us uh, together. And Sheriff Mack, uh, you just had a house full of high school kids. Uh, what are you seeing in today's youth? Well, I see everything. I see uh, 
problems. I see drug abuse. I see um, too much um, what promiscuity. Uh, on the other hand, I see the best scholars that uh, could possibly be in any school. I see people who uh, try, who want to find out what's going on in the world. I see kids who are disgusted by politics. Uh, I see kids who are totally turned off by politics. I see kids who want to be a part of it, want to fix it. Um, I, I see kids who want to excel. I see the full gamut, and I will tell you that they keep me so uh, amused, and I'm really thrilled to be associated with them. I I look forward to coming to school every day because these these kids are really amazing. Well, that's what we have to encourage and encourage their curiosity because uh, I had a friend of mine, her daughter had just graduated high school here in South Carolina, And there was something that was on TV, and we started to discuss it, her mom and I. And she's like, what are you talking about? They did not teach these kids, and she's a high school graduate, the Constitution. She had no knowledge about the Constitution. And uh, Dr. Swain, that scares me. I mean, uh, most Americans have no knowledge of the Constitution. Look at the members of Congress that we're watching right now. Uh, Look at the ACLU. I mean, there are a lot of... um, lawyers that seem to have no knowledge of the Constitution. And it's my understanding that there are law schools today where you can get a law degree without ever taking a course on constitutional law. So, you know, it's an indictment of our whole society that we've moved away from the rule of law and everything that made America the unique country that it is in the world. Well, that's so coincidental that you say that. Uh, It's very coincidental that uh, the good doctor has said that because uh, I teach constitution governments, and the public schools have no clue whatsoever uh, what the constitution says, what it means, and if there's something they don't like in the constitution, they teach just the opposite. And this whole degradation in our educational system towards the founders and the framers of our constitution and uh, the people that made sure that the they risk everything to make sure that we have a constitutional republic. Uh, that's in and of itself quite amusing because most people think we're a democracy, yet the word democracy does not appear anywhere in our foundational documents. You will not hear one founding father ever say, you won't read it anywhere, you won't hear it anywhere, that we're trying to establish the next great democracy uh, for America and that we want this great democracy experiment. No, it was an experiment in self-government. It was an experiment in a constitution that kept government small, impotent, and off our backs and out of our lives. And people just do not get that, and if they do get it, they do everything to subvert it. Well, you know, we had a constitutional question, and, you know, I'm pretty familiar with the Constitution. matter of fact, I carry one in my purse, and I've carried one, the same one that my high school teacher gave me back in 1976. I had to finally take it out of my purse because it was so dog-eared it was starting to fall apart. Um, But the question is, because Lindsey Graham, and he's my senator, and when he's wrong, I will criticize him to the utmost, but his defense of Kavanaugh was absolutely fantastic. But he said something that bothered me. And um, I'll ask you, Dr. Swain, first, and then uh, Sheriff Mack, if you know of any part of the Constitution, because he said if Trump cannot get Kavanaugh passed, 
by the Senate advising consent, he should take Kavanaugh to the people to have him confirmed. Dr. Swain, I don't think that's possible, is it? I, don't, no, I can't meant, remember. Here's what he meant. I mean, here's what he meant. Uh, is that we have a midterm election coming up, and if if Kavanaugh goes down on the basis of unsupported allegations and something that looks like uh, a search and destroy mission of Democrats right. just to pu- push a political agenda, the people get a chance to choose their elected officials. And so if they give them a solid Republican majority, and go uh, vote against the people that uh, are not supporting the president, the people we have decided. And I'm I'm sure you're familiar with one of my books is Be the People, A Call to Reclaim America's Faith and Promise. That was about the we the people. Like when we look at government, we look at policies and things that we don't like, we criticize and we get on Facebook and social media we need to be pointing that finger back at ourselves because we elect the politicians. They enact the programs and policies on our behalf, and they are out there, you know, supposedly working on our behalf. If we don't like what they're doing, we have a mechanism uh, for getting rid of them. Yeah, I, I completely agree, and, and I assume that's what he was saying. But you know, people are saying, "Well, he's saying take it to the people. We're supposed to vote for Kavanaugh." And, you know, it's it's great that we can understand because, as I said, when Lindsey's wrong, he's, I'll, I'll pull him out. But when he's right, I will applaud him. As a matter of fact, in today's mail, I got a thank you letter. And I thought I was persona non grata in his office because I do uh, challenge him too often. Not too often, but quite often. Uh, so, Sheriff Mack, uh, this whole Kavanaugh incident uh, had me absolutely flabbergasted because you hear a call for the FBI investigation, first off. You know, in law enforcement, you and I know it's a local issue, and the victim has to make a complaint before local law enforcement could do step one. Now, we have the Kavanaugh situation where we have unsubstantiated claims. She's never filed a report. She's never asked for a prosecution, and yet we have an FBI investigation. However, we have Keith Ellison, who is on video attacking his his domestic partner, uh, threatening her through text messages, which is an FEC violation, uh, and possibly even crossing state lines from Maryland to his home state with his domestic partner and abusing her. And yet we have no one calling for anything, and yet the victim is coming forward saying, yes, I'm a victim here, I want something done. So Keith Ellison walks away, but Kavanaugh is vilified. Right, and with Ellison, uh, the Democrats are even saying we investigated and there was nothing there, yet there's a photograph of the woman, you know, with her face all bruised and bashed and her eye, you know, uh, blackened. I mean, she has evidence, and there's more than one girlfriend has reported that he beat them up. And I think because he's Muslim and that's, you know, his faith, we, uh, those of us who have studied anything about the culture believe that the women are abused, you know, through the genital mutilation and other things yeah. that take place. The Democrats don't want to touch that. That's why they're giving him a free pass. But we should not allow them to get away with it. And Sheriff Mack? Well, I totally agree with that. Uh, the hypocrisy of the left is so mind-blowing. Uh, that they, uh, how they get away with this? Well, one way is because the media seems to always side with them. But yeah, this is astonishing because you're absolutely right, Annie. Um, if they came to me as sheriff, or I used to be in a, a detective that handled sex crimes, 
And if uh, if this woman came to me making this complaint, uh, I would be really drilling her, asking her why she waited 36 years. And then after that came to light, uh, that it was uh, against a, a man that's um, up to be uh, in the United States Supreme Court, that would make sense because the only way any of this makes sense is the political motive. Otherwise, there's really no legitimate motive for this waiting that long because this man was in a very prominent position for the last couple of decades. And and didn't she have a civic duty to uh, bring this up beforehand when he's in these major positions way before now? And so uh, when I look at the case, and I first I would say too, because even the governor of Maryland and the state police there said, if you want to file a police report, we're here because – the FBI has no jurisdictional authority over this case. Some people have said it's just an extension of his background check. I don't buy that, and I don't believe any of you do. But um, as far as the background check, they have authority to do that. But they've already done it. Uh, Congress didn't ask very uh, – or the Senate committee didn't uh, – Judiciary Committee did not ask very many questions that would be uh, considered an investigation when they had the chance to do it. Then they want to delay, 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 and they finally get Jeff Flake from Arizona, uh, one of the worst senators in, that we've ever had. Uh, then they get him <laughs> finally uh, on their side to demand that delay, and here they go again. And, boy, the delay is really bringing out uh, the other charges and, and what we really knew was going to happen. They were going to demand more of an investigation. And, and quite frankly, when I would, if I would have found out as a – sex crime investigator or a sheriff who was in charge of assigning this to a detective, uh, this wouldn't have gone anywhere, especially in the view of the uh, fact that this happened with a 17-year-old and a 15-year-old, and I would call those two parties together and try to settle the matter, but this would not be a criminal investigation, and I'm sure the county attorney would agree that this investigation would not deserve a prosecution and would not even come close to being uh, prosecuted, but here we are prosecuting it in the halls of Congress and in the halls of uh, the media. This you is, know, uh, uh, Doctor. <laughs> I was going to just mention, uh, Dr. Swain. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, Doctor. Swain, we have this Me Too movement, you. and you know. Uh, Sheriff Mack, you know, I have the law enforcement background also, but I was the beat cop out there. I was the one that had to, you know, address the victim. So, Dr. Swain, with this Me Too movement and the way we see uh, the victim in Ellison's case being treated and the victim in uh, Kavanaugh's case being treated, what woman would then, or any person of sexual abuse, want to come forward and be made public? Well, I mean, first of all, uh, the women have gained, they had a lot to gain by uh, supporting the narrative of the left. I don't know who would want to run for a political office, what man would want to stand, whether they're white, black, Asian, um, you know, Hispanic. And I said that in a Twitter post, and a Native American man said, and I don't support it either, (laughs) so Native American, I mean, every man. Uh, could potentially be accused of something at any time. And I think it was a terrible mistake for some Republicans to go along with the Democrats when they were attacking Roy Moore based on 40-year-old allegations that could be substantiated. 
And so that was the first mistake, and that opened the door to it. The Democrats will continue using the same tactic until it's no longer useful. And so when it starts backfiring on them, you know, big time, then they might back away from it. And I believe if Kavanaugh goes down on the basis of those allegations, and he's being tried in the court of public opinion for being white, <clears throat> for being wealthy, uh, you know, for his affluence, for, for everything. Yeah, they're trying to educated. him. And you can imagine that in that Congress, how many people are alcoholics, how many of them have settled uh, sexual <laughs> harassment claims. I mean, that is not a pious body of upright men and women. No, it's not. And Sheriff oh. Mack, you ran for for Congress recently out of the state of Arizona. You know, looking at how uh, Kavanaugh's family has been put in the spotlight and the recent despicable cartoon that was in the Illinois Times just recently, I think it was just yesterday, uh, for his 10-year-old daughter to look at, you know, what white man would want to run for office anymore? <laughs> No, and and basically to try to do anything that would bring you uh, a claim or bring uh, a position of honor to you and your family. Uh, if you believe uh, differently than these people and they have an agenda, then they'll uh, you know they'll commit uh, murder. Uh, and they, to me, they've done uh, just as bad as committing murder by killing this man's reputation and killing who he is and killing his family and killing the trust that his daughters have in our system and maybe even the trust they have in their father. And that was a despicable cartoon using a 10-year-old girl. But this just proves the press and the left have no shame. They have no scruples. And I think it kind of goes back to exactly what George Washington said would be the bane and destruction of America and that's a two-party system. I don't have a lot of faith in the Republicans either, uh, as exemplified by uh, Jeff Flake and many other Republicans who have done the wrong thing, not on this, but a lot of other uh, situations. But the, the thing of it is, look at what the Republicans can say, and Lindsey Graham has said it. And I haven't supported him very much, but this is the first time he's really been spot on. Uh, that they're, When they voted for the Democrats, uh, nominees in the past How many votes did they get? 90, 96 The Republicans respect the choice Of the president and allow him To pick If they get somebody who's not qualified Or somebody who is a moral degenerate uh, they have, they've, not, they've never even said anything About that in the past You cannot show me once where a Democrat went through this Not once But I can show you three or no. four times well, Republican has, and good man. I'm going to tell you right now, Judge Bork was a good man, a good, honest man. Roy Moore is a good, honest man. But, boy, these things have happened to these, and there's just no getting around it. And uh, so, no. yeah, I there's two things that are, 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 a, are problematic here with this. One, women are going to be less likely to come forward, which we battled every time, trying to get women to testify in court on sex crimes, was like pulling teeth. And the other one is men uh, being in a position that the Democrats don't want you, they will destroy you and your family. It's, it's pretty no, it, astonishing. That's exactly it is. Right. It is pretty it's astonishing. White men. It's not just about white men. They would destroy uh, any 
person, whether oh, yeah. they are black, yeah, white, anybody. Asian, just if they yeah. are conservative, you know, then your race that uh, doesn't matter. They went after right, Herman yeah, Cain. Herman uh, Cain and Thomas. Clarence Thomas. They say they're they say they're for uh, NAACP and others say they're <laughs> for the advancement of colored people. No, they are the advancement for liberal people. Yeah, I just I just wanted to add that um, I think once this um, FBI investigation comes up with nothing this week, the um, liberals are still going to um, stall. You said stall tactics, and I think yeah, I I hear reverb. Because we're getting we're getting echo back here, big time. How do I sound I now? Try again, sir. <laughs> but anyway, I think where they're going to go next is by saying that Kavanaugh cannot be impartial, and that's because um, on his testimony, he mentions the left this, the left that. You know, he, he pointed out people from the left. So they're going to say, you know, he's tainted now. We can't put him on the court. Boy, he because should it's be. going to be biased. I don't blame him at all. He should he should be going against any and every liberal cause. I mean, that would you would think that would be the uh, human nature thing to do in response to what's happened to him. I wouldn't blame him at all if he did. And boy, the first you would think the first thing he'd want to do is try to go uh, undo Roe v. Wade. He probably was never going to do it, but I bet he wants to do it now. And if he gets on the court, I wouldn't blame him at all. I mean, who could be more uh, political than uh, Ruth Ginsburg and um, and uh, was it Kagan that presided also over a gay marriage when they, they had uh, the issue uh, in front of the court? And so, I mean, no one could be yeah. more political than the uh, Democrats they already have on the court. Yeah. I mean, Kagan was uh, Obama's personal attorney in the White House for a while, and still the Republicans said, yeah, I guess so, if that's who you want, you know. They didn't put her through hell and high water. Uh, no, because you know, the, uh, the uh, Republicans are too cowardly, you know, to maybe press maybe on certain it. issues. They they have so much uh, at stake about proving they're not racist, and they try to prove that they're not racist or homophobic yeah. or um, uh, misogynist by giving well, people that ought to be pressing like a free pass. They should have uh, not even allowed forward to come with that with what she was presenting oh, no. she had no there's she no way that there was information to have a hearing on she deserve, she did not deserve to be for the united states senate before she even files a report i would have never allowed her time before the uh united states senate no way she there's no way this case deserved that there's no way she had evidence to support anything going that far it's ridiculous it was all political everybody knows it but, well, what's uh, ridiculous no, it, is, it's a damn. yeah, this new standard, uh, it, it must be just for liberal women, that you don't need any evidence, you know, to accuse a man. And the exactly. penalties for lying, we don't have any strong penalties to deter people from bringing forth uh, false claims for people they want to destroy. Amen. That's the whole thing. There's no evidence. There's no, that's why this case should have gone nowhere. Yeah, you, you, you have a 36-year-old. I'm not even made it up either. 
Well, yeah, you know, there's more and more coming out. Well, there's more and more coming out of it because Kavanaugh's mother uh, was a judge and sat on a case dealing with Dr. Ford's parents over property rights. Mm-hmm. Um, so there could be an old vendetta there. Uh, there's also now finally coming to light um, the yearbook entries, uh, which showed that she was a hard-charging party girl. Uh, she was no innocent to the little sweet flower uh, when she allegedly ran into uh, uh, Kavanaugh. Um, so there's a lot of holes being punched in the story, even down to info, not info, but uh, Gateway Pub Pundit uh, breaking open the fact that her house was not renovated at the time she claimed, but probably as early as 2008, the actual renovation was done. So why it comes up in a 2012, you know, supposed uh, a psychiatric inter- interview. Uh, so there's so many holes being punched in the story, uh, along with the other now accusers, holes being punched left and right. Is this should never have gone before the Senate period. But as Dr. Swain said, you know, they're cowards. They, they want to look as if they are really, you know, trying to be fair to all sides. But in the end, they are being completely unjust by bending the law to their will. I, I totally agree with you. There's just people say, well, she deserved to be heard. No, she did not. She did not have a case. The case could go nowhere in court. This is a nowhere prosecution. Thus, she did not deserve to go before the United States Senate. No way. Ridiculous. Well, I want to move off of uh, Kavanaugh now and move into the immigration, because we still have an immigration problem here. And uh, Dr. Swain, you just wrote a new book called Debating Immigration. And uh, tell us about the new book you had just written. Uh, I think it was back in July it was released. Yeah, it's the second edition of a book that was originally published in 2007. It has a number of new essays, and um, it... um, looks at different aspects of immigration. It doesn't have one perspective. That's why it's called debating immigration. It has more than one side. Uh, Some of the chapters, you know, that I wrote, including the introduction and the conclusion, I wrote one about uh, the Black Caucus and how the Black Caucus uh, addresses immigration or fails to do so, and a comprehensive immigration plan. Have a chapter on DACA, you know how that came to be and what's the problems with it, as well as one on uh, federalism. And the one about federalism has to do with uh, under our constitution, it's really the federal government that uh, has the responsibility for immigration law. But uh, I would argue that the best system would involve local as well as state officials working together. And so if we had real federalism, you might get better immigration uh, enforcement rather than trying to put it all on the federal uh, system and then complaining uh, by saying that the feds are not doing enough. And we know that each state is different. And so some states have problems that relate to illegal migration that other states in the interior of the country are less likely to have. Well, Sheriff Mack, you know, you're a constitutionalist. You teach the Constitution. You're also law enforcement. Um, When President Obama did this executive order with DACA, I was screaming to bloody blue heaven, this is unconstitutional. He had absolutely zero authority for that executive uh, uh, order. 
executive order. I'm sorry, brain fart there. And when Trump tried to reverse the executive order, all of a sudden all the circuit courts are like fighting him. Am I looking at this wrong? No, you're not. Uh, I was pretty surprised that courts uh, are telling the executive now that he can't undo an executive order done by another uh, executive. Uh, The president does not have uh, legislative authority. Uh, He can't make law. He can't pass law. He can't set aside law. He can make rules for federal employees. He is the CEO of the federal government, uh, meaning all employees. But he can't make a law for you and me. Only Congress can pass legislation. Uh, And so uh, Obama doing that, but, you know, what do we know about Obama, the eight years that he was in there? We know that he uh, had complete disdain for any constitutional provision. Uh, you know, first he's going to enforce the uh, Marriage Protection Act, then he's totally against it, then he get rid of it. Then, I mean, he was so back and forth on all of that. But the thing that he was mostly uh, completely against is our own Constitution, his own powers, and he even stated that he was going to bypass Congress and just start getting things done. Uh, you know, the checks and balances as established within the Constitution were there for a reason, and they were to protect the American people from tyranny, from uh, anybody who wanted to become their own uh, king. Uh, and, you know, one time he says he's not king and then that there were a nation of laws. You know, in the next year he's saying just the opposite. So uh, for him to claim to be a, a constitutional scholar, uh, what a joke that was. Uh, He certainly didn't understand the Second Amendment or the intent of the founders in uh, promulgating the Second Amendment. Um, He he just simply did not know uh, what his uh, role was, and if he did, then he intentionally subverted it. And, um, you know, we're still suffering from leftovers uh, that he has done, and uh, the the innocent people that went to prison under Obama, the uh, raids uh, by Uh, the U.S. Marshals on people who had not paid their student loans. One happened in Stockton, California, another in Houston. And now there are literally hundreds and hundreds of warrants where where seriously no-knock warrants are being served by uh, U.S. Marshal SWAT teams on people who have not paid back their student loans. And this was all started by Barack Obama. And and so I really wish that we could get President Trump to change the narrative, uh, forget Russia. Uh, yes, he has to take care of Kavanaugh, but forget Russia, forget the media, and really get back to draining the swamp. This is another indication that he was totally correct that this swamp needs to be drained. You know, well, we have so many federal agencies that you know people just assume that we they have authority over these the citizen of a state uh, where that's not yeah. how the Constitution is, is written, whereas the state actually should have the supreme authority. It should be from the bottom up, not from they the do. top down. Well, the states form the federal government, not the other way around, and you bet you they are not servants to the federal government, and that's another thing that they've got wrong. Obama got that wrong, but just about every president during the last 75 years has got that wrong. They did not create an all-powerful federal government that could mandate to the states. I sued the federal government when I was sheriff over that very issue, and it's called the anti-commandeering case. I was one that started the entire Prince 
V-U-S-K. Uh, I don't know why it's called Prince. He was the second one to file. He and I ended up at the U.S. Supreme Court together, and lo and behold, we actually won. The only time in American history where sheriffs have sued the federal government and won a landmark decision. So uh, the issue of federalism and the division of power between the states and the federal government is something I know a lot about. Risked my life and career uh, for that, and uh, it, it's an amazing principle that we're dealing with here. And, yes, if the federal government refuses or fails to do its constitutional job of protecting our borders, the states absolutely can do it, and they should. Well, one of the uh, yeah. things that I have questioned for many years is that, you know, you go back many, many decades, and we've always read that the number of illegal immigrants or illegal aliens, whatever you want to call them, in this country, that it's about 11 million to 12 million. Well, there's been a Yale uh, study that shows that the actual number is three times higher, that it's probably 29.5 million illegal immigrants in this country. And so uh, there's a a number of reasons. I've always believed that there were more. They were used, the people who want amnesty will use that to uh, their advantage because they will say, as they say now, that there's no way you can actually do anything about it because it's too many people, the whole economy would collapse if you tried to get a handle on the problem. Uh, And so that will be the next argument. If people accept those numbers as being true, then they will use that to spin it to say that there are too many people here for us to do anything about. That's what I'm afraid of. Yeah, I'm afraid of that, too, and I think they're already doing it. Well, you know, past presidents have been able to do a mass deportation. It was done under Eisenhower and it was done under Truman. So it it can be done. It was the time was ripe for it, too. But, you know, we have a growing uh, economy and more people are working than ever before. So they're going to also use the excuse. Well, you see, they're doing the jobs. We need people to fill the jobs. So you've got to let them stay. So, uh, Sheriff Mack, I think that's also another argument they're going to use. What do you think? Oh, uh, yeah, and I'm all for, because I'm from Arizona, and I'm all for uh, cross-the-border worker programs. Uh, but uh, the way it's gone now, and they try to stay, and there's there's no real accounting for it, um, I say no to that until they can get it done right, where it's actually done responsibly and the people go back. You know, uh, farmers and ranchers are in favor of that for the most part. And uh, I certainly am, too, and it could help the economy on both sides. If we would work together with well, Mexico, it, mm-hmm. it, then we could work that out. But there's such an, anima, an antagonistic uh, relationship between the two countries now. Uh, and we need to remember, too, uh, Mexico has made it so difficult for their own people to stay there uh, that, uh, that we're not blaming the Mexico government. We're not blaming the Mexico president. We're blaming Trump. I, I find that astonishing. There, the, Trump is not the reason people are trying to get into America illegally, risking their children and risking their lives. They're doing that because of the problems in Mexico, not here. Dr. Swain? Well, I mean, I think that um, we have to do something about it because of even just the fact of birthright citizenship. As soon as 
foreigners come here, even if they're students on uh, regular visas, the first thing they start doing is starting a family because if they give birth to an American citizen, there are all kind of benefits that come from having an American citizen in your household. And when that American citizen is 18, he or she can sponsor relatives. And so everything about immigration, you can never fix it using the piecemeal approach that Congress seems to favor. And in my book, Debating Immigration, you know, I point out that we've not had a major immigration reform since 1986, and that was when we granted amnesty to the then-estimated 3 million people. And what happened is that we made the problem even worse. And one of the contributors to the book, uh, Doug Massey, uh, he has argued that uh, when they changed the law, they made it more difficult for people, you know, to get into the country and to leave. And that before that, people came, they worked for a while, they went back home. Now, uh, because it's so difficult to get in, people are more likely to hunker down and make that decision to stay. So we definitely need to um, look at all of that. And when it comes to guest worker programs, we need to make sure that those programs serve our own needs because when we have surplus labor, that decreases the wages of workers, whether or not they are a legal immigrant or a first-generation Hispanic or or low-skilled white and black, their wages are affected by the number of people that are in the country that are able and willing to work. Dr. Swing. Sheriff sure. you You're from um, Tennessee, right? Well, I was born and raised in Virginia. I'm living in Tennessee now, but I've lived in other states. Okay, and you live in um, the Nashville area? I live in Nashville now. Yeah, what's the um, immigration problem like there? Well, we are, we've been a refugee-receiving uh, city for some time. And so we have, you know, Kurds, we have Somalians, we have, uh, you know, the ethnic gangs, and we have a lot of poverty because with the refugee programs, as you know, uh, the government brings them over here. They give them support for a few months, not many months. Then the people are expected to make it on their own. Well, there's no way if you come from a third world nation that you're going to be assimilated and able to make it on your own in six to eight months. And so it becomes a burden on the churches that try to pick up the slack. The Catholic churches bring in the most of the refugees, but then they're out of the picture after they get uh, them into the country and they give them whatever the law says, how many months they're supposed to get support. After that, it becomes a drain on the whole community. Well, Sheriff Mack, uh, this is something that's an argument that's been near and dear to my heart. The U.N. refugee program, uh, again, something that is unconstitutional because we're allowing the U.N. to dictate who is coming into our country. And not only that, they're using these BOLOGs, these voluntary groups that can get anywhere up to $10,000 per body they bring over. So the Catholic Church is not going to step away from it. They're making money as well as the uh, Lutheran Church and several other uh, religious organizations that pose as these. Bolux. So they, they get money to bring them over 
dumping them in communities that are ill-equipped to take care of them. Matter of fact, here in South Carolina, we have a lawsuit that was against Governor Nikki Haley for accepting them uh, all the way down to the uh, council at Spartanburg-Greenville for accepting them, uh, again, against our Constitution. So what are we to do with this? Well, you know, there's there's ways to take care of it, uh, and uh, she was absolutely correct, uh, pointing out that Reagan made that big three million uh, amnesty mistake. Oh, um, I remember and, screaming at the TV that day. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, you know, he usually has been the holy grail with Republicans, and you never can criticize uh, Reagan. But uh, he did a lot of things. Oh, wait a minute. Colony, it wasn't, you know, let me say something about that when you finish. Okay. <laughs> okay. We can we can we can put the blame on Congress because they negotiated a deal, and uh, and part of that deal was supposed to be uh, uh, enforcement, and the Democrats, right. uh, and with yeah, the, yeah. in conjunction with the Black Caucus and Hispanics, they um, tied it to anti-discrimination in such a way that they barred people from asking questions to determine whether or not people were in the country legally. And so it wasn't uh, the law that Reagan uh, passed. It was the fact that Congress reneged on what they were supposed to be doing. They didn't follow through with the whole law. You're right. He can't pass a law anyway, but he he can uh, grant amnesty, and he did. But, you know, know, still, if you look, uh, he's been one of the better presidents, especially lately, if you look at him. But And and immigration was not a hot-button issue like it is now because it's gotten way out of hand and crime has gotten way out of hand and taxes going to pay for all the uh, illegal aliens that are here. But I will tell you that uh, Trump actually hit something square on the head when he said that Mexico could pay for it, uh, but he just hasn't been strong enough to do that, and others in Washington need to be likewise as strong. Uh, and And that is this. They need to stop all foreign aid to all Latin American countries until the wall is paid for. And uh, the, the Congress needs to have the guts to do that. The president needs to push that agenda and that narrative, and it needs to happen. We shouldn't be paying – we're borrowing money from China so that we can continue to pay for foreign aid. Ridiculous. The national debt, another ridiculous thing that both parties have done. Uh, and until they get their own act together – I say that we stop paying them, and we certainly stop paying money, friendship fees, to countries who generally go oppose us on things, maybe except for El Salvador, who we send um, millions of dollars to. Stop paying foreign aid and even include other countries that we around the world, not just Latin America. Take that money and build the wall. And uh, you could certainly say we had those countries pay for it. Well, you know, it's, it's not just the wall, because if you think how many states are actually border states, and you ask someone, the average person, and they'll start counting the states like Arizona, New Mexico, California, Florida, Texas, but any state that has a port of entry, be it an airport right. or an actual uh, seaport or even along the Mississippi, all 50 states are border states. Right. So it's well, not it's just the border. We have uh, there's another issue. 40%, 40% of the people who are in the country undocumented came on a legal visa. They uh, either came uh, to overstay their visas. Some of them fell out of status. Maybe it was not any fault of their own. But it, it's not just all in the border. There's problems with the visa system that need to be uh, addressed. 
And, you know, the book that, my book, Debating Immigration, it looks at all aspects of uh, immigration, including what's happening in Europe. Because some of the things that's taking place in Europe today, we can learn lessons from the mistakes of the Europeans. Yeah, exactly. And let let us not forget that it was under Secretary of State Hillary Clinton who decided to allow the Saudi Arabian government to decide who to give these visas to. We no longer had any say on who to issue the visas to. We just abrogated our responsibility for our, our nation's security to the Saudis and said, well, you just decide who you want to sit, come over here and we'll take them anyway. It doesn't matter. We're not even going to check anything. So, you know, yeah, right, I mean, there's so many holes. Yeah, and then we did the lottery system where just any terrorist could come over as long as they got a lucky number, which uh, you put so many in, you know they're going to. So it is, it is a really uh, a, a complete uh, irresponsibility and incompetence from uh, the Obama administration. Uh, but the thing of it is, uh, I just don't know if Trump has the wherewithal to really take it to where uh, his agenda that he promised during the campaign, and that is to really uh, stand against these people that are doing this and, and really drain the swamp. And he's put too many swamp dwellers in his cabinet, uh, and that uh, uh, makes it more difficult to drain the swamp. Uh, but he has still done more than any other president in a long time of keeping the promises that he made in his campaign. Uh, I find that uh, uh, something that he should be highly complimented about. I would agree with that, exactly. and one of the problems that the president made was that he took in too many never-Trumpers from the Bush and the Romney camp, and they were exactly. in place to undermine his agenda. And so he has not had great judgment when it came to the appointees. But when you look yes. at what he has been able to accomplish, uh, he's been under constant attack ever since it was clear, you know, that he was forced to win, and then after he won the uh, the uh, presidency, it's been uh, no let up in the nature of the attacks. In some ways, they're becoming more intense. And I think the left has given up on that dream of his getting impeached. They know he's not going to get impeached, and so that makes them even crazy. Well, I think he actually picked up something from the Obama playbook because he now has this USMCA, this agreement between the United States, Mexico, and Canada agreement. He's calling it an agreement, not a treaty. So the same way Obama did the Iran agreement, I think Trump is going to do this, bypassing the Constitution. Uh, Sheriff Mack? Well, you know, the, the president does have the power to make treaties, and it still has to be by the consent of uh, uh, Congress, but um, be that as it may, he can make agreements, especially for, um, especially for uh, uh, anything to do with uh, the the treaty that Obama did with uh, Iran. Uh, that he got any kind of approval for anybody on that, uh, I find astonishing. And Congress should have been fighting that tooth and nail. Uh, especially this Republican Congress that was there um, the last couple of years of Obama administration. Um, but again, Republicans have allowed a lot of this to happen. And uh, so, yeah, I blame both parties and I blame the two-party system. Uh, and we're seeing, once again, how correct George Washington was when he made that um, warning to us all. 
uh, because Republicans and Democrats both are more loyal to their party than they are to principles of liberty and to our Constitution. And that's what's really lamentable about this whole situation. Dr. Swain? Well, I would have to be getting off this call in a, a few seconds. And um, I've certainly enjoyed the conversation and hope, you know, that, you know, we will be able to get beyond where we are today in our country, whether we're talking about immigration or this whole uh, situation with Judge Kavanaugh and the uh, nomination uh, to the Supreme Court. And when it comes to the midterm elections, I'm just hoping that people who consider themselves Christians will vote their values and that they will stand up for the Constitution because, you know, it may be Brett Kavanaugh today. It could be any of us tomorrow. Absolutely. Professor Carol Swain. It's a pleasure to make your acquaintance, Dr. Swain. Um, Hopefully you see each other again or meet in person sometime. Yes, and uh, I would like I would like to encourage people to follow me on Twitter at Carol M Swain, and I'm on Facebook as Prof like Professor Carol M Swain, and I'm just very active uh, posting and trying to do my little part to make America better by exposing some of the things that are taking place in this country that shouldn't be. Uh, you're also maintaining, we're also maintaining BeThePeopleTV.com. I was on there watching some of the videos and listening to some of the uh, postings that you have up there, which is very good. So, Professor Carol Swain, your new book is out. They can get it at Amazon called Debating Immigration. I want to thank you for joining us. Well, I have one other thing to say is that uh, Be The People TV, uh, that website's going away, and I'm doing the Be The People podcast. And uh, I've interviewed a number of people about some of the issues affecting our country. And the Be the People podcast is on America Out Loud, and it's also on iTunes. And so that's my next big thing. I'm writing for the Epic Times. And so I'm trying to get out there and make my voice uh, be heard, whether or not CNN, Fox, or anyone calls. I'm out there, you know, screaming as loud as I can using my own platform. That's and you do what good job. <laughs> Amen on that. Amen. Uh, enjoy your the rest of your day and thank you for joining us, Doctor Swain. Thank you. Bye. Bye. All right, Sheriff Mack. Uh, people can find you at uh, cspoa dot org, which is and I'm if I can get this mouthful correctly done as the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association as well as your own site, which is Sheriff Mac, SheriffRichardMack.com, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but I think we've moved everything over to CSPOA.org, so uh, anything about me there you can get right there. I also have books. I've written seven books, and my books are available there or also at Amazon. But uh, the most recent book, Are You a David?, uh, really questions everybody in law enforcement and in our government. Are you really... Uh, able to answer the call to stand for what's right, stand for freedom. I wrote uh, books at the beginning, too, uh, about gun control uh, regarding my lawsuit against the Clinton administration. The amazing thing is I actually sued the Clintons and lived to tell about it. And and so um, I I make jokes about Clinton all the time because I beat him at the U.S. Supreme Court. I beat his administration. I beat his stupid Brady bill and his push for gun control. Uh, and uh, the two sheriffs that ended up winning that lawsuit at the U.S. Supreme Court, myself and Sheriff Prince, did more to change 
the path of gun uh, control legislation and the gun control movement than all of Congress put uh, put together in the last 30 years, maybe even the 50 years uh, since uh, the Federal Gun Control Act of 1968. Uh, we've even uh, turned some of that back. So uh, the whole thing is, the question still remains, are we going to follow the Constitution? Are we going to have representatives in our government that will follow the Constitution? That will actually keep their word to uphold and defend the Constitution as they're required by law, an oath that we all take. That oath is required by Article 6 of the U.S. Constitution. My question to every cop and every public official, will you keep your word, will you keep your oath, or will you commit perjury right after that because you will follow an agenda and your own selfish political agenda instead of keeping your word? Well, I've got an Oath Keeper sticker on the back of my, my SUV, my big gas-guzzling SUV. And just to let you know, I did start off the show at the first 15 minutes with a dedication to your friend, Sheriff Dave Mattis, uh, who was known as the constitutional sheriff. Uh, and it is hard because, you know, looking back at you know, my career, uh, how that our federal government would interfere with local affairs and vice versa. Uh, and how... We have to stand up, and once we swear that oath, maintaining it, because it's not just for the time we're as a cop. It's for the rest of our life. You swear an oath, it's for life. That's exactly correct, and um, Sheriff Mattis was one of the original oath keepers, even before it became a vogue and national movement to do that. Isn't it strange that we have to actually have bumper stickers and a national organization called Oath Keepers because there's so few of us in government that ever did really keep our oath. And I took that oath seriously. And not only that, but we teach at the CSPOA. We actually teach. And I ask this to every peace officer, and we, we do our constitutional training for cops and sheriffs. But if you were called back in the time as a peace officer, knowing everything that you know now, if you were called back to Montgomery, Alabama, December 1st, 1955, when Rosa Parks was arrested for failing to give her seat to a white man. You, Officer Smith, you, Officer Johnson, you, Officer Jones, you, Sheriff Johnson, Sheriff Lunt, Sheriff, uh, I'm going to name a real sheriff, uh, Sheriff Rogers. Um, if you were called back in the time, how would you have handled that situation? Would you have arrested Rosa Parks? I'm going to submit to everybody that we should have never heard of Rosa Parks, but we should have heard of the brave officers who refused to arrest her, who refused to take her to jail for such a stupid, ridiculous law, uh, not giving her seat to a white man. And then you would have made sure she got, you would have escorted her home safely. You would have made sure that she and her family remained safe throughout the next coming day so nobody burned them out or even worse, lynched them. And your job is to protect freedom your job is to protect rights. Your job is to protect our Constitution and the notion that all men are created equal. Your job is not statutory enforcement. Your job is to defend liberty. And when our cops get trained in that, they start seeing the real reason that we were put here as part of the executive branch in the first place. And if everybody would start focusing on our history and on the many Rosa Parks that we've had in our country's history, I applaud Rosa Parks for what she did. She was a brave American citizen. She should have never gone to jail. 
where we have stupid police in this country that just enforce laws so blindly without paying attention to their oath and to the principles upon which America was founded. And so I want everybody listening and everybody get this out, that there is another way, and it's called the American way, and it's called our Constitution. And once we get sheriffs to really adhere to their oath of office, then we take back freedom tomorrow. And if that means standing up to a federal agent, then by damn, that's exactly what we ought to do. Well, that's a huge amen to that, Sheriff Mack. Um, to let you know that there are links uh, to the CSPOA.org on the show page. So when people listen to the podcast or watch it up on YouTube or anything else like that, they can click on it and go to your website. It's important to let people know that the highest uh, legal, uh, highest law enforcement authority in a state is the elected sheriff, which is what you were, which Sheriff Mattis was. And the federal government yeah. has to ask permission to come into the state before they can do anything. So we have a way of draining the swamp should. state by state if yes. the sheriffs do their job. And, and it, it, that's exactly correct. And we can take back America one county at a time. We just need that to speed up, and the sheriffs need to get on board and and take the reins back and understand that their role is to protect and defend the Constitution and uphold and defend uh, the rights of the people. And, when, you know, that's a simple process. We're not calling for revolution. In fact, we're calling for peace. And we can keep this peaceful, this whole entire process. will remain peaceful if we get sheriffs there on the right side and on the side of the people and on the side of freedom and the Constitution. And it's such a simple process, it's almost scary how simple this is that some sheriffs and some cops just refuse uh, to stand for freedom. Well, Sheriff Mack, it has been a pleasure, and I want to invite you back. You can just give me a shout, drop me an email. We'll have you back in a heartbeat. It's so much fun talking with you, sir. Well, thanks so much. And everybody can, can become a member of CSPOA. Just go to the website, org. Become a member. Any citizen, any former sheriff, any former law enforcement, you, everybody, it doesn't matter. This is a people organization. We want people to join. Uh, we certainly have uh, several sheriffs who are already members, so Everybody get on board, cspoa.org. Well, thank you very much. And have a blessed day, sir. All right. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye. Great All right. guest. As a matter of fact, for those that are watching up on YouTube and Facebook, I am wearing my shirt that says, Do Work That Matters, that uh, uh, Miller sent me. It came in the mail yesterday, and I'm proudly wearing Do Work That Matters with the law enforcement symbol on it. So check out, don't forget to check out Brandon's thing too. Uh, so Curtis, that's all we got for today. Um, we are yeah. going to come back here on Friday with Captain Raymond Schof. Uh He's with Turning Point in America. And possibly we will have Twee Lowe joining us again. Uh, but right. next Tuesday, we have a special. This is the pastor to President Trump. We're going to have Pastor Paula White. She is his pastor. And the following wow. Tuesday, we're going to have Burgess Owens return. He's got a new book coming out at the end of October. So Burgess Owens will be with us, and Pastor Paula White will be with us. So we've got a great guest lined up. And I've been a little <laughs> slow in the uptake and getting guests on because I've been so hectic and so crazy over here. I'm like a one-armed paper hanger. But I'll get the show you too. and let people know. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> yeah, <so. laughs> Until then, Curtis. I will leave you with uh, our closing song, When the Roll is Called Up Yonder. And Curtis, we'll say to everyone, good night and God bless, right? All right. <laughs>